Once again, we're glad to have you with us. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us as well. And we look forward to being able to have all three of our services uh, live stream. The other thing that doing a service in here did for us today gave us a practice. Uh, some of the folks that will be doing it over there gave, gave them a practice with the equipment here that they'll need over there. So I'm glad to be able to expand our outreach uh, in that way. Um, this might come as a surprise to you, but our figures are fairly consistent. Uh, we, we have about 250 to 300 people every week uh, that, that attend online. And so uh, that's, that's a, um, uh, a part of the new paradigms of church. Um, we are uh, in this series, a Fresh Start, New Attitude, New Year. And uh, in this, what we've been trying to do is uh, based on Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says, if you have any joy from Christ, if there's been any transformation in your life, then make my joy complete and and have the mind of Christ. And he goes on to describe that in this, in this passage, uh, that having uh, all the authority of God, he didn't cling to that, but he gave up his divinity for us, took the, horn, the form of a human being as a slave and suffered because of that and ultimately died uh, on a criminal's cross for us. That, that is the example of the mind of Christ, the, the attitude, the character of Christ. A Christian literally means little Christ. We are meant to emulate who Jesus is. And so in our pursuit to be little Christ, we, we want to make sure that we have the mind of Christ. And so over these weeks, we have been talking about attributes, about that, and how we might strive for more of that in our life. This morning, the word that we are going to focus on is generosity. Generosity. I, I, this is one of those top words. If, if you're, if you're going to claim Christianity or if you're going to write about what Christianity involves, I don't know how you don't do that without the word generosity. Uh, generosity, let's, let's, for, for our purposes today, I'm going to define it like this. Generosity is that, that going above and beyond in giving, not, not to just, uh, to to make things even that's quid pro quo quid pro quo <laughs> that's a, when you when you pay for something that you that that's just a, an exchange that's right that's tit for tat that that's not generosity generosity is an above and beyond type of giving where it, it exceeds expectations, and without the without the expectation that there's going to be something given back for that, that's that's exactly what we see in Christ over and over again. It's what we see in God throughout Scripture that that He was willing to go above and beyond in His generosity that. We, we underestimate the generosity power of God. We, we, over the years in, in church management, we, we've, um, we've gotten this dirty word that we've missed, we've misused of stewardship, which really comes down, uh, to a lot of churches of just being cheap. 
well, we got to be good stewards of our money. Well, we're going to talk about this more, but I think as the church of Jesus Christ, the best stewardship of our money is to pour out every resource we have for the lost. That's that's what generosity looks like. That's where we're headed today. So if that made you uncomfortable, just wait. <laughs> we're going to be in chapter 5 of Romans, verses 1 through 11. I know the bulletin says 6 through 11. I expanded it to 1 through 11. Romans, written by Paul, um, a very organized uh, sort of treatise, uh, Paul writes, of Christianity, taking us from the reason God shouldn't have a relationship with us to how he has provided everything we need to have a relationship with him and given us his Holy Spirit and how now we can be a part of his work in the world. I, I love the book of Romans. Um, and we're going to be in chapter 5 today. And it begins with this. Therefore, and I'm going to stop there. I'm going to give you a little free seminary lesson. One of the things I learned, whenever you're reading in the Bible and it says, therefore, stop and figure out what it's there for. <laughs> because therefore is a concluding phrase, right? And so obviously Paul's referring to something here. And what he has been talking about in these previous chapters in Romans is the idea that it, God created everything, but creation went awry because of sin. And that we are, we do deplorable things, uh, to one another, and that, that God has every reason to be at enmity with us, but out of His love, He's tried to establish relationship. And He begins that argument that that relationship doesn't start with being a good person. So many of us grew up, and our whole idea of church and a good Christian was they did all the good things, which means that Everyone who claims that is a, hip, a hip, hypocrite because we're all sinners, right? What God is looking for is not behavior modification. Now, I'm not saying he wants us to act like jerks and do bad things, but we try to get the cart before the horse. We have this idea that we get ourselves right so that God can love us. But the Bible says, we are not right, and God loves us so much that if we give ourselves to Him, then He will make us like Him. That's the transformation that He's looking for. And the word Paul uses, and uses Abraham as an example from the Old Testament, the word he uses is, the key to the relationship is faith. Faith, trust. I'm moving from doing everything my way, that's sin, the ego, sin, that, that thing inside me that's always about me. It's moving from sin to a trust in God, an all-out abandonment of myself for, for the agenda of God for me. That's where he's been. And through, through that faith, we are made right with God. We are made righteous with God. That, that action is it, that trust, that putting our weight on Him instead of ourselves. That's the key that lies there. So He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, 
We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. For He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Therefore, since we have been made right with God, right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. I want to talk about that for just a minute. I think uh, part of the problem with with uh, the Christian walk, especially for those of us who have been raised in the church, and it's second nature to us, right? Uh, for, there's many who, many of you that you came to know Christ as an adult, and uh, coming being converted in your adulthood uh, tends to to bring a different attitude and more of a willingness to put trust in God because as an adult you made that decision a long time ago. But for those of us that sort of grew up in the church, we've grown up thinking, yeah, God loves me and he, he died for me. And we lose the power of that statement. But I just want to, I, I want to make sure we don't lose the power of that and take it for granted. We deserve separation from God. Previously in Romans, Paul talks about, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We, we deserve no attention from God, but instead he has poured himself out for us over and over and over again, offered us a relationship when what he should have offered us is punishment. And now we stand in this place of undeserved privilege. That's another word for grace, undeserved merit. Not one of us deserve it, and yet we, we we have this privilege of being friends with God. And he says that we can stand in his presence. That, we miss the power in that 
When you go before a powerful person, especially in the time of rulers and kings and stuff, you didn't go and stand before the ruler. You went and knelt before the ruler and exposed your neck to him. And and they could behead you or reward you. But you didn't approach as an equal. But in this place of privilege that Christ has won for us, we are no longer peasants. We're brothers and sisters with Christ. And we get to stand in the presence of our dad. This kind of intimacy is just, I think it goes above many of our heads. And Because if we understand that, I mean, it changes everything. It goes from praying every day, from being a chore to, I get the opportunity to talk of the King of kings and the creator of all things. In this place of undeserved privilege. Wow. It, it, it is the greatest story ever told. He says, in this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That's going to be our key phrase today, where we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing, another word for generosity, God's glory. His glory is manifest in His love, in His perfection, in His holiness, in His power. That glory that has transformed us and given us a new relationship with God. We now have the privilege, the privilege of now sharing that with others. In each of these characteristics, I keep reminding you, your Christian relationship is not just for your benefit. We are now, we're sons and daughters of the living God who now have the privilege of taking what God did for me and sharing it with someone else. To pour it out freely. We are to be sharing the love of God, sharing the glory of God in every way. But here's the problem, church. We're too stingy with the glory of God. Because we're afraid that somebody might get some that doesn't deserve it. We, we have, we have, we have gone down the path of self-righteousness to a point in which we, we actually have a mindset that I deserve God's love more than that person because, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's, that's the most hypocritical thing because not one of us deserve God's love. Over and over again, we see that Jesus is very generous in his love, in his ministry. He pours it out indiscriminately to anyone and everyone. He goes to tax collector. I mean, he had a tax collector on his team. That was, that was idolatry. That was horrible in the eyes of the Jewish people. He, he forgave a woman caught in the act of adultery. He, he, he spent time with notoriously bad people 
Over and over again, he just spread his love out. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 13, there's a parable about the, the farmer who spreads seed. And there's, there's a lot of things within that story. But one of the things we see is that the heart of the farmer, which is God, that the farmer, it says, goes out and just casts his seed wherever. And and as that seed goes out, some of it falls on rocky soil, some of it falls on a trodden path, some of it falls in fertile ground. And there's different results of how it grows up. And there's uh, all these things we can draw out of that, of those different kinds of heart and different kind of soil. But something else you can pull out of that is that the father is pretty reckless with his seed. He doesn't go around saying, well, I'm not going to waste my seed on that. I'm going to put mine here. He just... Anyone, everyone. Part of the problem with our church behavior is that we're not willing to just cast it out. Not worried about who might show up. Right? Because if you, if you didn't make an invitation to everyone, one of those everyones might show up as someone we don't like. But we need, we need to adopt that generosity of spirit. I think ministry done correctly is, is done in a way where it's just thrown out there for anyone and everyone to have. I mean, if, go back in, in this passage. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, I want, I want you to hear this. Before you did anything for God, God did everything for you, right? Before you came to God, did God love you any less? The answer is no. I'll help you. The answer is no. He did not love you any less. Now, he, your life is better because you have him, and he's doing a work in your life to make you more like him. But he doesn't love you because you, you, uh, you came to the, the gift that he gave you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we had anything to offer, before we were righteous, before we had said the sinner's prayer, before any of that, God loved us and died for us, even for those who might not come for him, even for those who would continue in sin. He died for them, casting the seed everywhere. Now, over the last few years, I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but over the last few years, there's been all this consternation of who we should be in relationship and who we shouldn't be in relationship with. And here's, here's my idea. on that. I think we're called to cast seed wherever it goes, Right? Jesus called people to be fishers of men, right? Our job is to catch them. His job is to clean them. We're so worried that that somebody with the wrong heart might wind up in this place, and hallelujah, if there's somebody with a, a wrong heart sitting here this morning, welcome. We do this for you. Because guess what? My heart was broken and dirty before I was rescued by the blood of Christ as well. And so was yours. 
And thankfully, he was so generous in how he sows his seed. I had the privilege of becoming a son of Christ, a son of God, brother with Christ. We, we need to quit worrying about all of that. Let, let the Holy Spirit do the work. You're not going to change yourself. You're not going to save someone else. That only comes by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let God do His work. Many of you are joining in doing this dynamite prayer book that we're reading, and every day, it should be on day 22 today, um, every day we, uh, um, we have a reading from Scripture that has the word power in it, translated from dunamis, that Greek word where we get the word dynamite, right? And over and over in every one of those readings is an encouragement to lean into the power of God. This, this glorious, awesome power that can change anything and everything. And my belief in the power of God is so great that I'm not worried about where a person's at right now. I believe God can change anything in a moment. If you're worried about culture and directions, you know what? All the more reason we got to get more people to, to, to receive the gift of God. It's the only hope of the world. That's why the church is the hope of the world. That's why we're the bride of Christ. It's not going to come through social reform. It's not going to come through political reform. It's going to come by the redemption of broken humanity through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the difference. Throw your seed wherever you go. Be generous in sharing the glory of God. And you know, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be times where it gets tough. We rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, God gave Himself for us. And now as brothers of Christ and sisters of Christ, we are called to go generously sow the love of God, the glory of God in the world around us. That's our mission. That's our job. To do it with abandon. Whenever we talk about generosity, uh, of course, money comes up. And we used to do, you know, a a fun drive in the church and stuff. I don't do that as much anymore. Um, And it's not because I don't think that giving isn't important. I think giving is essential. Um, I think when we, when we, Focus on it just to raise the budget of the church or whatever. It, it, it sends the wrong message because my belief is God doesn't need your money, but you need to give as a discipline that will draw you closer to God. Right? Because, I mean, even service, even given my time, it, that is easier for me. I heard a quote before that the last thing in a man's life that gets sanctified is his wallet. Right? Because, I mean, my heart, good. My attitude, good. My, my, 
My time, okay. My money? I'm the one that earned that. Right? But a practice of generous giving is, is essential in breaking that, that bond that our money has over us. To give generously. Not, not to the, not to the thing that shines your granola or what, I don't even know what that phrase means, but, <laughs> but to the betterment of the kingdom. And, and frankly, this church, uh, there, there's many of you that do this so well. Uh, one of the things I love is we don't have to do all these little fundraisers in the church. We, the church made a decision before I got here and we've continued to do it that, that, um, we, we want to, we want to direct our giving to the general budget and then let leadership make uh, priority decisions. And we're not going to let money get in the way of our ministry. And so like when we do a program out at Light on the Hill, on one of those festivals we do, uh, when we do a picnic out at Camp Mystic and stuff, we're not asking you to put a dollar in the basket or one. I mean, if you want to support that kind of stuff, be a part of the regular givers who make a difference in this church. And part of, part of what we see over and over, I mean, you've heard, you've heard me brag on who we are and what we've done and what God has done through your generosity, but lives are transformed by that. Kids at Shriner who never knew Jesus before were in homes that were, um, not even, that hadn't ever even been exposed to Christ that are being baptized and now leaders in the, the young, uh, the young adult ministry. I've heard a number of you over the, over the last three months share with me how God saved your marriage. And over and over our, our minister, our casting, it's only one part of it. Your prayers are important. Your presence is important. Your, your effort to share the good news with others is important. I just want to highlight this one thing. If you don't have a practice of giving, I encourage you to develop one. To make it intentional. Not out of the, oh, I was in church and so I decided to do... No, make it an intentional part of your life. Christ died for us while we were utterly helpless. We now have a privilege of sharing his good news with others. It's not just what happens here. Over the last uh, year and a half, we've also uh, made a big difference in Liberia, in a church over in Liberia. We've made a difference in a couple of communities in Costa Rica. We've made a difference in a, a pastor training program in Japan. because. You were willing to be generous. And Paul writes in Ephesians that when we, when we have that love of God inside of us and when his roots grow down deep in us, he can take what we do and do more with it than we can ask or think or even imagine. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God.
The reason I went into ministry is because someone who deserved to be shunned by God, he became my friend. He's my Lord, but he's my friend. He has poured himself out for me over and over again. And I know many of you have that same testimony. The friendship of God, when it gets down to it, this is our motivation for everything that we do. That God loved us so much that he gave us every advantage we could have to be able to spend eternity with him. And and what we can do in partnership with him as an undeserved privilege is have a part in making a transformational difference in other people's lives as well. We're going to celebrate Holy Communion. And I just, uh, I don't know if I said it before, we've done three services today, but if I didn't, if you're not from this church, you're welcome at this table. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where your church membership is. If you have a desire to love God and love your neighbor, then you are welcome to participate fully with us in this sacrament where we remember what Christ did for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it, passed around the table and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, remember me. When supper was over, he took the cup, passed around the, gave thanks, passed around the table and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink from it, remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. Pour yourself out on us, O God. Make this bread be for us your body, this juice be for us your blood, so that we might be your body and blood to the world around us. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. God, break that selfish spirit within us. Give give us a heart of generosity. Help us to pour ourselves out the way you pour yourself out. And we look forward. When things are made right, when you return again and restore everything to its, to its perfect condition, we look forward to being seated around that heavenly banquet table and being able to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Until then, may we walk by faith and share love the way you love us. And we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.